welcome to the Goldmine Magazine podcast. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine, and we're proud to have as guests Kelly Deco on Deco Entertainment Records. I love saying that, Deco on Deco. Yeah, Deco on Deco, right? And Val Gray, a famous producer. I mean, we could go back, uh, you know, great artists that you've produced, but my audience probably knows that already. But what I want to get to first is how you guys first connected creatively. Because uh, Val, you know, you've been in the music industry and then Kelly has been in the in the film industry as a as a pretty much a art production right kelly and yeah. but he started out mutual friend. he started out making music you yes. know back in the in the late 70s he was making music then yeah i didn't know that yeah i've been making yeah. with a good friend of val since then uh and we recorded his name's nick tembrook and we were i worked made a lot of recordings with him and then that's why when this record came around to do again i was talking with nick tembrook and i said god i really want to get that you know andrew gold 70 sound and he Mm. said well you know i'm working with val garay and he practically invented that sound and we'll see Mm. if he might be interested and sure enough he was and and then the rest you know is here we are but uh i'm here to tell you um this man knows what he's doing it's not by chance that he has that many um and uh <clears throat> that many platinum and gold records and grammys this man knows exactly what he's doing and if you're looking for some of the best sonic whatever you're getting at he can get it because he hears it and i don't know where people get that i guess it's like a, an athlete who can just keep doing it over and over again and you always wonder why well he's one of those and I, and then i'm you know i hate he probably hates me to say it over and again but it's one of those things that i learned because a lot of people think they can make their own record and, you know, go ahead and make it at home. It's the same. Everything's the same. We can sample it. But it's not that way at all. Um, if you really, um, it's like with writing. I spent my whole life writing to get to where I can actually make sense and be of some sort of you know, caliber where it's worth making a record of. And so I think the whole thing grew to the point of where maybe I was ready to finally work with someone like Val. And then luckily he came along and, uh, and you know, here we are. Uh, I think it's a great record because um, I wrote great songs, but also because he had the ability uh, to make a great sounding record. And so after that, you know, everything goes from there. The, the artists later on, we hired a great uh, album cover artist, uh, Johannes. Mm-hmm. And of course, now we're with a good PR company, Chipster. And of course, you mentioned Dex, uh, Deco Records, which is a great uh, legacy record with a lot of uh, classic rock idol bands, yeah. you know, that that are behind it. Yeah, I wasn't surprised the production is top-notch. In fact, it reminds me of, Val, the quality of ELO, and I I mean that as a huge compliment. Absolutely. Because futuristic, you you know, um, that I think that was important to you, Kelly, right? Uh, Yes, You wanted to capture that futuristic feel. I mean, that that works within your narrative. Yep. Um, and, And like I told you before, the narrative, well, you've worked in Hollywood and it has that sort of futuristic theatrical feel to it's it. It's real. I've lived through I, it. The thing I've seen things that <laughs> I mean, you they could imagine it, but I've been through it and I've been through it so many times. And I sure I live in Hollywood. 
Right. I go to work and it's on a soundstage. I go to work and there's movie sets and actors and lighting. And yeah. And then, of course, like Val was saying, I've made a lot of records. I've recorded six or seven records uh, with the same producers and stuff. Again, you know, I, I, the songs have always been pretty good. But, you know, you grow up, and you get better. You get better and better as long as you stay alive, I, I think. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> and then, you know, and then I think this is a great time. I was really... Maybe not until now I would even be uh, qualified to work with someone like Val, but here it is, and now we're talking about it. So, so yeah. So I'm never gonna I'm never gonna not say thank you to Val because his expertise made what I was doing in my imaginary Hollywood, you know, world, fantasy world. It made it it made it something viable, and uh, that's what's really in the heart of 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 what makes it work for me and why I'm so appreciative of the whole experience. Yeah. We are so yeah. Val, uh, Kelly seems like a very approachable, nice guy. And, you know, sometimes in the music world, you have prima donnas. How was the, uh, you guys worked well together as far as? That was, uh, that was very easy, um, smooth production experience. Uh, he was prepared. Uh, I always am prepared. And uh, we moved right through it. We cut everything in about five days and then did some overdubs. That took another couple of weeks and then mixed it, which took another week or two, and then it was done. But it, it was a very smooth process, uh, very professional, and uh, all great people involved, you know? Right. Well, you got uh, Fernando Perdoma, who is, you know, kind of a wonderkind himself. I mean, he's oh, yeah. kind of a great producer. Great guitar player. You know, he's a great, great guitar player for that style of music. You couldn't do better, you know. Yeah, he he's he's he seems to pop up all over the place now. Whether yeah, he's really guitar playing production, he's uh, he he's uh, pretty much a, a hit right now. He does his own albums, so mm -hmm. and he's like I said, he's a pretty good producer himself. You know, compared to all the the people you've produced. Um, you mentioned being ready and willing to work. Who was the best you can uh, compare to as far as ready and willing to work? Uh, a big name. Um, I would say uh, along those lines, probably Neil Diamond. You know, he was always oh. ready. Had the songs written. Had the arrangements, you know, pretty well thought out in his head. You know, pretty... Uh, pretty prepared guy for as big an artist as he was you know and i worked with neil for 10 years you know i did some yeah. big records with him that was i even got nominated for an emmy with neil diamond which i didn't win but i, I got nominated anyway <laughs> i was comparing uh kelly to uh the cross between well he references uh david bowie in one of his songs but um mm -hmm. futuristic field david bowie right but in theatrical right. sort of lyric feel, I, I said meatloaf. I always said to people that asked me what kind of record and artist he was, and I always said it was a cross between uh, David Bowie, Meatloaf, and the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Ah. So I, I wasn't far off in coming up with my little comparison. No, <laughs> not at all. No, not at all. But that's good, though, because it, it if you got it, then that imprint is there, you know? Right. Kelly, are those two of your influences right there? Absolutely. I think I've seen Rocky Horror Picture Show at least a hundred times, and uh, <laughs> and all the other. You know, it was part of my my the culture I grew up in, and 
yeah, you could go further. You could bring the Moody Blues in, or you could bring Van Morrison. I mean, but yes, but very much uh, the Meatloaf thing, the Battle of Hell. Those are Jim Steinman songs, but but absolutely, I love the songs. I love the the, the visual, the power in, in them. Um, when you listen to Battle of Hell, you learn um, what um, a, a rock opera is. You you're, a rock show is. You learn rock rock show. Um, a friend of mine plays drums in a band called the Tubes, uh, and uh, I always liked what they were doing. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, it's yeah, that show, rock show was always a part of what I liked. And also um, songs that are that bring out some sort of a visual, uh, you know, experience. Fee Wayville is a Bay Area boy, as am I, you know. There you go. I remember when it started, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area in the 60s. So yeah. I saw the airplane when they used to play intermissions at the committee with Sydney was the singer. Yeah. And they didn't even have a drummer. They had a conga player. Well, you know, um, Fee, no, uh, Prairie Prince was a drummer. He says that he did a you did a record with him or something. I know one of the one of the records he had done. I don't. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you've done so many. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, anyway, you guys, <laughs> I'm gonna have to jet because I'm I'm late for another meeting that I completely misconstrued this so can you guys carry on from here yeah val it's an honor thank you for yeah popping in thank you okay thank you. well you guys have a great day thank Take you val. Appreciate it. thank you so kelly when i said elo is that is that oh all yeah. yeah of course oh elo is just brilliant i mean it's well that's why uh you know paul mccartney and always loved elo and all of you know the stuff they were doing is very similar to beatles beatles um one thing about this record I've done with with Val is they say it's got like a sparkle to it, you know. So mm. that's the same idea. It's kind of the songs kind of sparkle a little bit. The Beatles did that. Um, of course, ELO did do that. Oh that. yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean the production's great. The songs are interesting. Um, you know, they're not too far out there. I think oh. I go a little further out there than they do in some of the songs. And uh, but again, it's my experience is different than theirs. And like you said. I come from Hollywood. I've been in Hollywood. I've worked on, um, you know, some amazing, interesting, huge variety of movies, and watched the process, and watched and been with the directors, and hung out, and gone to the parties, and and uh, you know, I don't want to reveal too much of that, but there's a lot of, you know, one of the some of the directors, the first thing they do uh, is set up a big room for screening, and that you get to watch the movie being made. Right. Like we get to watch what they call the dailies. And that room would be, and, and a couple of directors would be filled with cases of wine. So you're invited to go and have wine and yeah. hang out and, and give your input to the movie. And so, I mean, so you're treated like a part of a team, a part of a, the vision of whatever is happening. And uh, I love it. And I also love making records. And like I say, I'm, I, uh, when I make a record, I write all the songs first and uh, they come to me. And then after that, I, I, go one by one and this uh, let the, let the universe tell me what the song's about and then i write it down so this record um i started off by writing uh one song the first song was called turn it on and i wrote that song uh with all the music and when i write it i write it on an acoustic guitar i've got an old guitar that um i bumped into bb king on the right way and he had autographs saying yeah stay with it so i thought okay i better stay with it and keep writing and mm -hmm. with this old clunky fender f15 guitar so I write the songs, and it's kind of like a Burke background, like two note melodies 
you know, down and then changes. Uh, so there's a, definitely a melody. If you listen to all the songs, just straight ahead a melody, you get it right away. Like, you know, don't sleep in the subway, right? Those kind of simple melodies through all of these songs. So those melodies are there first and, and then they're done. And then I write the song and then I go to the next one, the next one. And so sooner or later, I had 30 over 30 songs uh, because I would take it to uh, my pianist, a classical pianist I work with. And he would, he and I would just run the song down until we got it one time. And we just recorded on a little uh, iPad, you know, a digital, you know, sound of it. And that would be it. And so then I'd go back and I'd put all the words on and then we'd get the band together. And, and that's how we made the record. So it had to sound, the songs had to be sonic to begin with. So they were already musical songs. Uh, and then the words fit that. I think the Beatles, Paul McCartney said, or, or, or maybe both Paul McCartney and John Lennon said, that's how they did it. Where you find, you know, uh, we know this what the one song, something, what's it called? Ham and eggs, scrambled eggs became yesterday or whatever. So you find that there's the, uh, the melody is there and, uh, and, you, and then the words come to you. For me, the words just came out of thin air. You know, I study a lot about things I like, just like most people do on movies. There's a lot of research in your mind. And after this many years, it's just sitting there waiting for me to pull you know, pull the trigger on it. And so when I did pull the trigger on this, I've been through a lot of things, uh, divorces and marriages and death and, you know, this and that. And so there's a lot to flow out and it just came flowing out. I got back with the, the girl I was uh, in my high school sweetheart, uh, oh. Tracy. And we and so whenever I think about how men myself as a man have a hard time writing about what love is, so uh, when I I have to bring that love idea around, um, she I just I just bring her um, I just um, put my mind on her and that's it. So so it's a natural honest approach to love because it's that what is that what waiting for the girl is the yeah is sure that there's that one and there's also um. The song Constellation, uh, you know, the songs talk about, yeah, yeah, that I think Waiting for the Girl is a, it's a it's the strongest kind of pop song we have on it. And in some some place in Scotland has been playing it over and over again. So that's good. Good for them. Um, yeah. uh, and, you know, they're all legitimate, real songs about things that I feel. So mm -hmm. that isn't that easy to do. Uh, to, or as a writer, it isn't it that easy to get to the point where you can even do that without because most people think oh how do i just you know i'm just going to fake this or do that or pick some ideas but that doesn't really work as hard as it is it needs to be real to you and when it is real to you to me as a writer uh, then it works and that's what val was saying said these all work because you can i can see these are real right. and so yeah. it's a big step it's, but it makes you feel vulnerable and many times during the process, I would uh, I would break down and cry during the song. I'm thinking, that's what's wrong with you? What do you what you know? What's going on? And it's because it was it, it hit a real emotional chord in me. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that that's what it hits on other people when you're able to do that. And I think that drives a lot of artists into weird places in their lives. So because it's it gets what they call painful. And you think, well, how could a song be painful? Because a real artist is writing about their own real heart feelings and right. heart feelings. They hurt, even if they, they could be as stupid as anything you can imagine, you know, theoretically, but they're, but if that person, if it's something that they felt deep and it hurt them in some weird way, or it struck a chord with them in some way, um, it can be painful. And then as a singer, I learned that that's a good thing. When you get that reach for it. And when I was reaching for that in a few songs, I got an extra, 
kind of an interesting weird vibrato in my voice. I'm thinking, this is really cool. Let's just go with this or whatever yeah. it was. I just ran with it and having Val there and I'm recording on the same, you know, microphone that, you know, James Taylor and then the Ronstadt. I mean, you think, okay, you're standing in big shoes, you know, do something, right? <laughs> do it, well, do it's it interesting because I think waiting for the girl is uh, yeah. uh, the single. It's very commercially accessible. Yeah. It starts out with yeah. a nice Eagles guitar sound. And then it kicks in into high gear yeah. um, with the chorus, and it's very catchy. Yeah. So that did you think of that as the single off the album? You know, different people think different things. I know Valgory yeah. has his opinion, and uh, what I decided to do was I know there's several because a lot of them are poppy songs. Yeah. Uh, it's always a thing like how you want to go. Too poppy or not too poppy, right? That one's right. the most poppy single-ish one. When the when they start playing it overseas, the the gentleman who played it says, "Well, this is just the most commercial one." He just said, "I'm playing it," and oh, he, just it, yeah. he just picked it on his own. So there you go. I think that's left for the world to decide. But there's a lot of great songs, and uh, and even the most, like I say, pop ones are about are about love and about uh, a person's real feelings. And it wasn't, it's not calculated or formulated. Um, it's, uh, you know, I'm not a kid and I've been doing this a long time and it takes a lot of years to let go of all the things that can get in the way of what you really feel and then your ability to perform it that way. And it, and it's really sticking yourself out there and it's, it's an embarrassing, awkward feeling. Um, but when you do it and it works, you're thinking, okay, this is great. Let's just keep doing it. And, and, and you know, Try not to drink too much afterwards or whatever it takes. Yeah. Well, you have some, you found <laughs> supreme backing vocalists. Too, yes, we did. We did. Yeah. You, you, you have this way of including all these elements. I did. This time we got every step of the way we had planned that we're going to have everyone involved be the like the best. You know, we had this person. We figured, okay, we got everyone every step, including uh, the uh, the artist who did the drawing, the Johannes. Uh, right. the, legend in drawing album uh, covers and we thought we're just going to keep the whole team as hot you know the best we can even the early on pr team we had total assault and, and we everyone was top quality and uh <clears throat> and yeah and and you're talking about <clears throat> leslie uh right yeah and, yeah she was uh her and her gang was um they are um they are the singers for um joe walsh backing singer yeah. so they're a team so, but we brought them into a different place where um, I wanted the full, um, you know, like I say, Rocky Horror, whatever, Meatloaf sound, much bigger than just Who's and Oz and everything. So it's interesting how quickly they were able to do that. And the other producer, uh, Nick Temrook, is um, um, there was a gentleman named Pat Woodland. Uh, mm. And he, uh, the other producer, Nick, is. Uh, uh, Juilliard classical music guy. So he any kind of orchestration or any kind of thing like that, he's the expert on that. So that's what he brought into the record when we said, well, you know, we need that. And he said, oh yeah, we got Pat. We went down to Pat and they did all those um, vocals in one day. Yeah, and nuances and all that yeah. stuff was very important in the song. And, and it makes it sound, the sound yeah. I wanted got closer and closer every time one of those lucky breaks happened and like i say we you know everything was quick and and it all happened and it came out good and 
and now we're talking about it. So that's really so nice. I got to ask you about yeah. Bowie's brain, which uh -huh. starts off with a space oddity feel. It does. How, how did it spawn? And give me a little bit of, uh, you know. Have you seen the video? We sent you the video, back. right? Yeah, there's a video too yeah. on it now. Yeah. And it does, you know, so the idea of Bowie's brain is like there was a movie called Being John Malkovich. Ah, uh, yes. Right? And you go, <laughs> somehow they get this tunnel in some house and they go in his brain so and i thought that's really cool but for me it was more like it was as an influence as an influencer you can't help but wonder what's in there what what is it about him that is influenced me mm. and what is it about me that mirrors whatever his influence on me was and so the, how i and so i thought i would just tell the story about you can see i'm telling the story about you know, I'm I'm waking up and my I'm in the spaceship and it's wrecked and I don't know what's going on now and and he's just kind of walking in a fog and uh, and then I know a lot about his background and his friends um, and the time he traveled across the country in a limousine and that and the fact that he was really good friends with Iggy Pop, which is I mentioned Jimmy Limo and that's an actually reference to to Iggy Pop. His name's mm jimmy osterman or whatever his name is but yeah. so you know the whole thing is just tying together there's a lot of depth in the simple words in these songs because there's a lot of real stuff that happened i used to get my hair cut at the same place that iggy was down there and i used to talk with him years ago and so so it's interesting your, your world is full my world is full of real real instances of all this stuff that i'm talking about and they're not just throw in their 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 heavyweight moments throughout every song that has a lot to do with my experience in life and and then my knowledge about um, how it all ties together and then my feeling about it and mm -hmm. uh, and th that song Bowie's brain was just kind of a walk down that road for me and well, the his life was about. very cinematic yes right? it was he's a very Conscious, amazing cinematic uh, Always yeah. with the latest trends, like Mick yes. Jagger, always yeah. on it. Yeah, and um, I love his guitar player. I mean, yeah. I would back in the other bands I had the the guitar player. I had always I made sure they looked just like Mick Ronson and. Uh, <laughs> and, and Bowie they, was Bowie's Bowie loved the movies. You know, he, he tried to be in the movies himself, and uh, just like I mentioned, Jagger, same kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, you definitely accomplished what you were trying to to accomplish here and congratulations with the album one yeah, the last question i want to ask is will you be touring to support the album you know we're on this leg right now where we're promoting and we're seeing where it where it's settling in mm. and what's settling in and as soon as we're a little more confident on where and how it's settling uh, the answer is yeah of course i would love to be up uh, performing these songs on stage and but you know that's a whole uh a whole part of it that has to be planned out based on input and and all that we're lucky that the, the songs are getting played and and that there are good songs and that there's a story behind it and that uh yeah, you can see i'm i am a kelly deco is a thing and it's uh and the band is a thing and they're real people and um and we're just going to keep walking down the road. And I think the answer, simple answer is yes. You know, I'm ready to go uh, as soon as anyone else is ready to go. Uh, again, I'm with a company. Uh, Decca Records is a, is a great, Decca Entertainment, excuse me, is a great company. And of course, Chipster PR is a great mm -hmm. uh, PR company. And I would so, love to see this 
reimagined on stage though. Me too. I think that's the one thing <laughs> why we always were thinking right away we thought, God, we could do you know, this could be a Rocky Horror thing. Yeah, it could be we could easily do this and then just go like that. So before that happens, I mean we're you know, we're down the road. That's yeah. down much further. But yeah, that would be a great fun thing to do, right? Because it yeah. all kind of fits into um, that the songs start off. It's like you drop the needle and you go through the the whole adventure uh, yeah. of the record, and and that would be the same thing on a stage. You go through the whole adventure on stage, and yeah, I'd look forward to doing that. Sure, we got to do that, of course. But uh, I guess that's the answer. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Kelly, for yeah, being thank you. on my podcast. All right, and listeners, don't forget to go to goldmymag.com to get exclusive content. Also, go to shop.goldmymag.com for exclusive product like vinyl. And Kelly, we'll be uh, talking to you soon, I hope. Yeah. And uh, and I hope to see you on the road, man. All right. All right. If, if I'm there, I'll send you the limo to pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Have Thank a great you. Great. Thanks. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.